Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to a fall episode of the Legal Toolkit here on the Legal Talk Network. So while I sit here and ponder whether I should try out for the New England Patriots at wide receiver or defensive lineman or any number of positions that you need to fill right now, uh, I've carved out some time in my busy schedule to record another episode of this show. If you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. I'm your host, Jared Correa. And in addition to casting this pod, I'm also the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor with Massachusetts LOMAP. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. You can also buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association on iTunes, at Amazon, and probably a bunch of other cool places I don't even know about yet. My co-host, Heidi Alexander, will be back next month. Before we start, I want to give a shout-out to one of our loyal listeners, James Harritonian, an attorney in Bill Rickham, Massachusetts. Here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. And this episode of the Legal Toolkit is no different. Today, we're going to talk about social media e-discovery. So stop scrolling through your Facebook page for a minute, and we'll get to that. To address this wide-ranging subject, I'll talk with Trent Livingston, a director with Intelligent Discovery Solutions, where he advises law firms and corporations surrounding the implementation of e-discovery, web, and cloud-based technology. Trent's also the owner and founder of Geekly Group, a web technology consortium. He is adjunct faculty at Golden Gate University. He's got experience in IP theft, web technology, social media discovery, and data analytics. You can follow Trent on Twitter at ESIGeek and read his rants about e-discovery, the web, coding, and cats at TrentLivingston.com. Trent, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jared. I appreciate it. And I, I try not to rant too much about calf, cats on my uh, blog. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Only a side. I, we, I, you can I, rant about cats here. I don't want to. I don't want to alienate all those people who love kitten memes out there. <laughs> all right, so let's get into discussion here. So, uh, first of all, now when social media is uh, so prevalent, grandmothers are on Facebook looking at pictures of their grandchildren, and you've got advertising copy hidden in your friends' preferences. You know things have gotten mainstream, but how does social networks pose a threat to discovery obligations? Well, with as with any type of electronic communication, it may be subject to legal hold and subsequent discovery in the course of any legal proceeding or dispute. Now, social media mediums are quickly becoming an alternate method for people to communicate outside of your typical and email corporate infrastructure communication methods, um, which have, you know, up until just recently been mainly focused on just email. Today's generation views email almost like we, uh, and I date myself here as the older generation, view the postal service, uh, otherwise known as snail mail. Um, Email isn't as instantaneous and social media lends itself to rapid fire communications and as a way to communicate and connect with people outside of your typical corporate network. 
given given in, you know given those circumstances, it really opens up things. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I know snail mail as well. You're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you talk a little bit about the ways in which social media data is implicated in e-discovery, uh, and about some of the unique challenges that uh, sourcing that data entails? Well, you know, every social network has a particular focus. Um, so sourcing social media data is always a challenge because it depends on what the nature of the matter is and what type of data you're looking for. Uh, to provide an example, you know, Facebook is mostly about connecting and sharing with friends and family, sometimes colleagues. And while LinkedIn, for instance, is, is more about making professional connections. Uh, to provide an example of a matter, it'd be, for instance, if you were involved in an employment dispute, LinkedIn may be one of the primary targets um, for data. And that's because it could be lend itself to communications that were a, in violation of a non-solicit, non-compete, for instance. I got you. So you're targeting specific types of uh, social media platforms for specific types of cases. That's interesting. Correct. I, I mean, every case has has a different way, and and while it, and some of these mediums become quite attractive to their users because they offer ways to communicate in private without you know a lot of people understand that their corporate email may be subject to discovery, so they look for ways to communicate outside of those networks. So my guess is with uh, email, uh, corporate email being more easily discoverable, it'd be the same thing with internal social networks, right? Like Yammer. Correct. Yeah. Uh, you know, internal social networks are likely being um, logged in some method or form. There are some internal chat uh, communications. For instance, Microsoft's Instant Messenger can be integrated with Exchange, for instance, so that it's capturing those chats and those conversations. Uh, so some of these networks allow somebody to go, well, you know, I can communicate privately through Facebook, I can communicate privately through LinkedIn. And I'm talking about the private messaging functions rather than the outward-facing wall posts, for instance. Oh, I got you. And, and, and in your practice, do you see uh, people using those internal corporate social media tools, or do people mostly just stick to the private tools or what they assume is private? Well, it just depends on, you know, every case is unique. So when we've seen communications be made via you know, text messaging, instant messaging, et cetera. Um, I've been involved in some matters where the court has requested access uh, or the opposing party has requested access to certain private accounts so that they can then be collected. Um, I can't go into too many details there, but needless to say, we have seen the private messaging functions being leveraged in, in off-network communications for nefarious means, let's say. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about those private messages for a second. So most people, I think, assume those are non-public communications, but it sounds like you can get to those through discovery. So are those difficult for you to get at during e-discovery, or is privacy really dead? Well, let's clarify here. Um, private messages, for instance, on Twitter, uh, you can direct message someone. Same goes for Facebook. You can have what's known as a, a direct message chat. There are other networks that provide those methods as well. LinkedIn has a, a way that you can send a LinkedIn mail or a link, uh, an in-message, if you will, to another LinkedIn user if you're a subscriber. Those in-mails and so forth are not public, and you cannot view those if you're just looking at someone's public profile. 
those are only accessible through direct account access. Uh, and, and, you know, I will caveat this with social media landscape is always changing. So today's technology and what's accessible and what isn't may change a month from now. Who knows? But those private messages are the ones that are hard to capture unless you have direct access and permission to somebody's account. Um, there are what we call application programming inter- interfaces or APIs that allow you to create a software that will integrate with Facebook or LinkedIn. But even those require permission to access parts of your profile and information that you wish to keep private. Oh, interesting. So even in an e-discovery context outside of a core order, you're looking at somebody having to give you permission to get to that information? Pretty much. I mean, it's you unless you're using a means that you shouldn't be to access their profile. Uh, if I was sending you a direct message on Twitter, that's not viewable by the public. And the only way to get at direct messages is to be able to use an application to, that would allow that, that accessibility. But if I were to try to gather your Twitter information using an application, you would get a, a notification that says, this application wishes to do this on your behalf. Do you wish to accept it? And if you said no, then I can't, I can't access that information through an API. Well, this is good. I'm, I'm feeling excited now about sending direct messages with abandon, saying whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on, on the other side of the coin, how about email? Can we talk about that for a second? So it, it seems like there's a process for getting these direct messages on social media services, but it, it requires the user's uh, complicity in some, to some extent. How about getting emails um, on the first level, corporate emails that are sent by the corporate exchange? And then uh, private emails. Well, corporate email. I'm in. A, let me predicate this on the fact that I am a geek. I'm more on the programming side <laughs> than the legal side. Yeah, yeah. So corporate email, of course, is not your own. You don't own it. So therefore, the company owns it, and they then can access your email in the case of a discovery request, and they don't need your permission. That's a little different in the European Union um, because of EU privacy laws. But in general, let's just say we're, we're looking at the United States here. Um, corporate email is always subject to discovery. And the old rule of thumb is, is if you don't want it to appear on the front page of the New York Times, don't put it in email. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, but direct messages, however. <laughs> You'd be surprised about uh, the fan base we have in Eastern Europe. It's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's where where social media networks come into play is, is that some people say, well, you know, I want, I'm, I'm trying to communicate privately, so I, I will turn to my social network instead. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. But if you also look at the new cloud-based technologies, for instance, Google, and Microsoft offer a cloud-based technology for email. And these, uh, Microsoft integrates with their uh, MSN Messenger, their instant messenger program. Google integrates directly with your Google profile and your Google chats, which you can then have different circles. Um, Those communications are often kept on, on record by the server, so those chats can be discoverable as well. Um, however, you have a way of taking those messages offline. So it really depends on user activity and what you're allowing as a, as a corporate user. I got you. So 
Outside of the private messages, which I think most people assume are private, and it, it sounds like we're more private than I thought originally, what about that public-facing data? So, I mean, everybody can see your tweets, for example, anyway, right? So are there any difficulties associated with collecting on that class of information? Well, collecting on, from, for instance, somebody's Facebook wall or tweets, for instance, let's, let's use Twitter because it's a great example. Monitoring Twitter is, is basically like trying to listen to a million phone conversations at once. So it's like drinking from a fire hose. So the only way I'm going to see your tweets is if I actually have a tweet from you pop up in my feed. Uh, for instance, I've done a search on e-discovery, and you have used that term in a tweet, and you come up in a search. That may be a way for me to identify your profile as a topic I want to capture, and then subsequently follow your tweets and follow that topic. But otherwise, it's trying to find a needle in a haystack if you're looking at Twitter as a whole. You, you really have to understand how the, the social media network is, is structured, how the communications are structured, to really understand what is your objective and, and what data is it that you want to capture. Um, now, when you're doing a search for someone's social media information, say public-facing information, just to gather for e-discovery purposes, are there certain tools you use? How do you go about that process? Do you target people? Or do you target subject searches or corporation names? Well, it would, de- it would definitely depend on the nature of the dispute and what information um, you're looking to capture. To provide an example, there are tools out there, by the way, to capture social media communications. And I, as I referenced in the past, there's also APIs, which can easily be integrated into monitoring a certain handle, Twitter handle, if you will, and the handle is, of course, your, your ID, your name. For instance, mine is ESI Geek. So if I knew somebody's handle, I could go in there and, and create a small program that would just say, every time I see this person's handle tweeted by themselves or, or a tweet comes from them or someone else, I can capture that communication rather easily. It's when you're looking for certain topical matter, for instance, a uh, corporate name or something, you may need to search across the entire Twitter network. The challenge becomes, are they abbreviating that name? Are they abbreviating some of the terms you're looking for? For instance, as we all know, everybody use, uses acronyms uh, in Twitter quite often, you know, O-M-G-T-T-Y-L. You know, we had a, one instance where the, <laughs> the acronym was O-M-G-P-O-S. T-T-Y-L, which meant, oh my God, parent over shoulder, talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> That'll save on that character limit though, right? <laughs> exactly. That keeps you under that 140 character limit quite easily. But So searching on those networks can become a challenge because if people are using acronyms or, or as they say, this, you know, the short speak of social media, you could be challenged in applying search terms to that data to, to actually find what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, just a staggering amount of information. It's amazing that you can piece together any of it. Well, th- this is a fascinating topic, certainly. And um, we're going to jump to the second half of our program shortly. Uh, so we're going to take a little program break in medias res, as they say. Uh, but we'll be back to get a lot more in the second half of the show when we return with Trent Livingston. Now, this is normally the space in our show when we offer words from our sponsors, and this potentially represents a unique opportunity for you, the legal toolkit is looking for sponsors. 
You can hear your advertisement right here if you're interested, and then I won't have to talk anymore. So contact the team at Logical at info at logical.com. That's L-A-W-G-I-C-A-L. Like Marty McFly, I'm waiting for a sponsorship from Tab Soda, but I won't hold my breath. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back. We're joined today by Trent Livingston of Intelligent Discovery Solutions and Geekly Group. We're talking with Trent about e-discovery and social media, which features unique opportunities and challenges, as we've learned. So, Trent, uh, glad to have you back for the second half of the show here. There's been a lot of recent discussion about NSA snooping with the Edward Snowden case and other news stories. All this real-world spy versus spy sort of deal. How, then, does social media data mining come into play as protection of wider interests? Well, when you look at social media, um, there's, there's so many ways that people can communicate. And there's actually ways of using different types of technology to pass communications that may not be um, what they seem on the surface. One of those technologies is called steganography, um, where you can actually embed hidden codes into images, video, etc., that a typical user would just say, oh, that's a cute kitten meme. <laughs> um, but behind that kitten meme uh, is, is a embedded message, or it could be used for intellectual property theft, where somebody embeds uh, computer code in there to hand off and, and pass outside of a network that is otherwise secure and unbeknownst to their employer or, or anyone else. They're, they're passing codes to other users around the world. Uh, Al-Qaeda actually used video to embed um, communication and share communications out in the open on the web. Huh, that's fascinating. Uh, I'll never look at a kitten meme the same way again. <laughs> uh, and we have our we have our words of the day here at the podcast. Steganography is that it? Am I pronouncing it right? Steganography, yes. If I'm pronou- if I'm pronouncing it correctly, yes. Steganography. <laughs> so it's it's the it's it's the ability to hide code within code, and and so in the sim- most simplistic of terms. Huh. Do Do you ever see that on a corporate level, or is that just strictly uh, reserved for terrorism and and other uh, national interests? No, I, you know, I've had a colleague who's actually witnessed it on the corporate level where someone was embedding um, actual code into imagery and using the images on a thumb drive uh, to then subsequently pass information back and forth. So if the p- thumb drive was plugged in, it would look like a bunch of harmless, um, you know, JPEGs, pictures of family and so forth. Huh. But in behind that code was in behind those pictures were were actually embedded code. But you need a tool to decipher it on the other end. It's definitely something. It's an advanced method of of IP theft for sure. Wow, that's wild. I I had not heard of that before. That's very interesting. All right, so let's get back to some I think more uh, specific e-discovery questions here. So we talked before social media is growing including for those sanctioned corporate purposes. There are law firms out there, for example, that use Yammer as a, as a personalized Facebook. What does that mean for the future of e-discovery, to your mind? Well, it means that litigation holds are going to uh, broaden. Um, data sources uh, and the requests for data sources are going to become more complex. 
they're going to have to be thought out more by um, both sides, opposing and 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 defense. Uh, you know, plaintiff and and defendant, because. If there is a litigation at hand and it involves communication, you're going to have to stop and think, okay, what are we going to define as electronic communication? While the federal rules define the ability to electronic ESI, is, 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 it's defined very broadly in, in the federal rules, as you know. So while it, you can request that all communication be held I think the courts are going to start saying you need to be more specific because there's also a burden and a cost associated with that. Given that burden and cost, you're going to have to think about what are the types of communication that we're going to hold on to, what are we going to request, and how are we going to request those be produced to us. Um, so it, there's a lot of different challenges that are going to evolve from social media communication. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have a difficult job. So not only do you have to keep abreast of the uh, wide array of technologies that are available right now, but you got to have an idea of what's coming in the future. That, that must be rather difficult to pull off. Well, it's, you know, we, we have these technology crystal balls that we use in our offices. <laughs> you, you guys keep them all? <laughs> uh, can, can you ship one my way? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I wish I could. I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges facing the industry is, is what's going to be the next medium to, to take over, you know, mainstream communication. And it's still up in the air. There are some people who favor social media, while some people still are corporate email centric. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the, the future is evolving rapidly. Yep, yep, I got you. And you can keep the rest of the crystal balls. Just tell me the one that has the Powerball numbers. You can send that one along. Um, now, uh, if I get that one, I'll, I'll include you in that email for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the current roster of e-discovery tools that you use then. Do you see any of those as having holes in the sense that uh, they can't answer for certain unique properties of social media data and metadata? Well, I think that's the biggest challenge is, is with the today's tool sets that are out there addressing social media. It's the metadata issue that becomes the biggest issue. Uh, the reason why is because, for instance, email communication follows a certain standard, which is RFC 2822. Um, and these protocols were put in place because everybody's using email. So, hey, let's make a standard for how these two medium, you know, my email server communicates with your email server across the web. Yeah. Social media does not have that communication standard, so there is no really set standard for fields and metadata. Each network, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Yammer, they all have their own methodologies for passing the communication back and forth. And a lot of these social networks were never built on the idea that, hey, Twitter's going to communicate with Facebook. Facebook's going to communicate with LinkedIn. There are tools that you can do to link these social networks together, but that's, again, referring back to the API. So I think the weakness that we see in today's social media discovery is how can we capture what we want, decipher the communication in a method that's readable, and then also capture the proper metadata about the communication to make it actually fundamentally sound in court. And, and the problem, probably, is that uh, metadata is uh, created exponentially at this point, it sounds like, because it's created every time one new medium has to contact another. Is that right? Exactly. I mean, you have the time sent, you know, was this, was this tweet sent by 
this account at this time, or for instance, with Twitter, you can actually buffer tweets. You can stage tweets for the future, which means, was this in a buffer or was it actually tweeted at this time directly? And oftentimes, you can't decipher that information just from a a typical network capture because it says, well, it was tweeted at two o'clock. That means you're in front of Twitter at two o'clock. Am I right? No, I was actually out playing golf. I had staged <laughs> those tweets three days ago. Yeah, yeah. So it, there's no way to really determine the, the truth of a timestamp. Huh. And, and so just to backfill just a little bit, uh, because people who are listening may be new to this subject, how would you define metadata versus standard data? Well, metadata is the data about the data. It's the hidden data, for instance. Uh, you know, like I just re- referenced with a timestamp of a tweet, for instance. Well, you may see a timestamp on there. There's also, you know, different access dates, um, login times, and so forth. While email is pretty clear on the sent date, who you were sending to, who was receiving the message, social media doesn't have that metadata about that. So to compare what we're talking about is, is for instance, on the email, you have a CC line, a BCC line. Yep everything. Those fields that define that are considered metadata, um, the sent date time, the, the server stamps, etc. Whereas you don't have as many of those fields or you have completely new fields that are evolving because of social media that you need to figure out how to map those into useful data that, that can translate to um, putting together the pieces of the puzzle, if you will. Yeah, I got you. Boy, that's a lot of stuff to know. I'll tell you, I don't envy your position. I don't know how you sleep. Well, you know, I sleep in ones and zeros. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, last question. We'll round off the show with this. What are your top recommendations for somebody who's embarking on social media e-discovery, perhaps for the first time? Well, I think my top recommendation is is don't do it without a plan. Um it's always good to get someone involved that understands the network, understands the method of communication, and just beyond a computer aspect, but someone who actually understands how the network is leveraged and what are the pitfalls of that specific social media network. Social media collection, data collection can be a daunting task. There are tools that go out there and gather Everything and anything do screen captures and will create logs. But if you don't know what you're looking for and you don't really have a plan of what you're looking for, you could be creating a discovery task that is almost insurmountable from a standpoint of deciphering and understanding how that data could could help you. Um, So my best tip is to go into it understanding the network, understanding the target, defining those targets, and then defining a plan specifically for that data capture. And there are tools, of course, but there are also uh, professionals like yourself who may be able to help. And I'll let you talk about that in a second. Thanks, Trent. It's been a fascinating conversation, really. And uh, that'll just about do it for this episode of the Legal Toolkit. But remember that you can listen to all of our shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So again, thank you, Trent Livingston of Intelligent Discovery Solutions for taking the time to drop by our virtual studio. So Trent, can you remind our listeners about how they can find out more about you and what you do? Well, you can always follow me on Twitter if you'd like at at ESI Geek. Uh, I also publish a blog, TrentLivingston.com. 
And you can find uh, more about uh, my company, iDiscovery Solutions, at iDiscoverySolutions.com. Great. And uh, Trent and I actually met through Twitter. Let's hope no one discovers our instant messages. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that would be, then Then your whole fantasy football league um, strategy would be blown. <laughs> and we wouldn't want people to know that. Next time, I'll bury it in steganography. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. You can can you actually make an image of uh, the Patriots kicking a kitten through the field goal for a field goal? Is that possible? Possibly. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I know some people who know Photoshop. I'll work on it. <laughs> so thanks again, Trent, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on. And uh, thanks to everybody out there listening. Hope you'll join us next month on the Legal Toolkit. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.